You like spy movies, Mr. DeVere? Nowadays, they're all a little serious for my taste. The old ones. <laughs> Marvelous. Give me a far-fetched theatrical plot any day. <laughs> the old Bond movies. Oh, man. Oh, when I was a kid, that was my dream job. Gentleman spy. I always felt the old Bond films were only as good as the villain. As a child, I rather fancied a future as a colorful megalomaniac. What a shame we both had to grow up. That was Super Spy Harry Hart, played by Colin Firth, and Archvillain Valentine, played by Samuel L. Jackson, sharing their love of 007 in the truly terrible Kingsman Secret Service. And we'll be reviewing a Kingsman movie later this year. Are we really? Yeah, it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be fun. Uh, anyway, uh, this week we finally get to review the original Super Spy, James Bond, in his latest adventure, No Time to Die. We don't know what we're doing, we're just talking about films, and films are better than people. I'm Sam, and I'm Lawrence. You know what this is like? It's like those old movies we both love. Now I'm going to tell you my whole plan, and then I'm going to come up with some absurd and convoluted way to kill you, and you'll find an equally convoluted way to escape. Sounds good to me. Well, this ain't that kind of movie. So, this week we watched the new James Bond film, No Time to Die, and Sam's going to tell you the plot. The film starts where Spectre left off, with James Bond and Madeleine Swann driving away together. However, after an attack on Bond's life in Italy, he goes solo after the attempted assassination points towards Madeleine's involvement. Five years later, a deadly virus is stolen by a new terrorist organisation, which tempts Bond back from retirement. Or, as a haiku... Double O Pension. Bond dragged back. Settle old scores. Expect me to talk? <laughs> that was you your like, Connery. That was my Connery, yeah. yeah. The trick is, I think, you, you, you can't go full Connery. If, if you're trying to go full Connery, then you end up a bit, Expect me to talk? Or it, it, sounds, it sounds like I've got something in my throat or something. You've got, you've got to go subtle, like, Ah, oh, you expect me to talk? I mean, it's not the most difficult impression, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's getting, getting more into Roger Moore, though. It's getting a bit... All those feathers and he's still going to fly. Yeah. Do you, Brosnan? Um, it's I... just a sound effect, isn't it? It's... <laughs> there it is, yeah. He's so good at making uh, pain noises, as uh, Adam and Joe, uh, radio show hosts, pointed out. That, that's the only bit of Brosnan I can really do. Uh, even though I love him so, I, I can't really, I can't really do his his Bond. Can I hear uh, your Connery, please? You can't, no. Um, because, please, no, you can't. I was thinking about what Daniel Craig's impression would be, though. Now this is his his final film. Yeah, I wonder if people are gonna gonna create an impression of it. But he's so hard. He's he's so he's so solid, isn't he? He's so almost like straight faced, and it's yeah. really difficult to. He's Get more an of a, out of him. He's more of a charisma. He's more of a like a kind of. He, he's he's not really an, an accent or a or he's not very impressionable. He's just got this presence about him. I did I did see recently an interview of him where someone asked him to do a Sean Connery impression, and he just said no, I'm not going to do it. You know, game recognizes game. I, <laughs> I suppose so. Last last chance to do a Connery impression before we go to a clip. No, let's let's just hear a clip from Daniel Craig. <laughs> 
Here's a clip. Why would I betray you? We all have our secrets. We just didn't get to yours yet. The world is arming faster than we can respond. Where's 007? The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were 00? Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. The one that works. I thought you two would get along. Da 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 Two podcasts. Two podcasts on James Bond. You must be so, so happy as, you know, the second biggest Bond fan on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, that is factual. That is factual. Maybe I... we should just do a James Bond podcast. Have you ever thought about this? Maybe we should just watch Bond all the time, talk about Bond all the time. Just may make a full-on Bond podcast. I'm sure. I mean, well, I'm sure there's dozens of those. I mean, yeah, it, but not with it, not with us at the helm. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't you enjoy that? I mean, if a film podcast wasn't generic enough, <laughs> we make a Bond podcast. But we had to wait a long time for No Time to Die. We did. It not only was it a slightly elongated pre-production um, for creative differences, but obviously the pandemic had got pulled a couple of times. It, um, they the 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 distribution company wanted. Uh, it to be released in front of film goers, in, in front of a real audience. It wasn't going to go to a streaming service. So It was one of the early things I remember in the pandemic where they said, no, this is, this is not going to happen. We're not going to put it on streaming services. They were really holding out for the cinema. Bond is a big presence in our family. Uh, it's always an event. in a lot of families. In a lot of, fam- I don't think it's, I don't think it's particularly special to be honest. I think it goes. Well, yeah, go- I mean, it's he's a, he's a British icon, an important part of British pop culture. Yeah, he's a part of a lot of families, but yeah, I definitely think he's a part of ours. Yeah, I, I just think the thing, the appeal about Bond is that he he is family friendly. Essentially, all the Bond films are family friendly action films. It, it, I mean, it's weird that it's family friendly because in, in a lot of ways he's probably not very family friendly. But that's probably a, bit, a very massive topic that we don't have time for. Yeah, that is a podcast in itself. But was it worth the wait? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, ah, straight to the point, double O Shammy. First of all, uh, I have to say, like, I'll get in my catty line here, which is uh, it's obviously called No Time to Die. Well, um, loads of time to die. Because the film's two hours, 43 minutes. <laughs> Boom. Which is an absolute slog. It's the longest... You've got to get your puns better if you this is for a Bond podcast. It's the on. longest uh, Daniel Craig Bond film. but um, And I think it's probably comfortably one of the longest Bond films in terms of the running time in, in, in history. They've packed a lot in there and most of it is pretty dull. The opening of the film, which is with Madeleine Swan and James Bond's seemingly going off to spend the rest of their lives together is obviously interrupted and uh, they get separated. They they don't see each other again for five years or until, you know, the plot in the film actually actually moves forward a little bit. Yeah. That initial, that first sort of opening did feel a lot like they were having to address what had happened in Spectre. Now, I wasn't a big fan of Spectre and I was really hoping that this film would move as far away from Spectre as possible, but they can't really because you have characters like Blofeld, like Madeline Swan, who are kind of left over from that film and the mess that they create for themselves. 
So they have to do a lot of heavy lifting, and this feels like a bit of a sequel to Spectre, in not only in tone, but in terms of characters and events as well. Yeah. And no Bond film should have a direct sequel like that, but this one does. Um, yeah, so I was pretty unimpressed throughout, and um, I guess we can go into sort of more details as to why. I enjoyed the experience of watching it but bond is a is very close to my heart and in a lot of ways started off my passion in film i only saw it yesterday but honestly the more time that passes the more disappointed i kind of get with it i think in a good light it's a mixed bag but at worst it's it's kind of a it's a messy flabby ending to craig's bond as he crashes his aston martin into the finish line pole I think in many ways, No Time to Die is everything that's right and everything that's wrong with Daniel Craig's time as Bond. And it's it's kind of interesting how that works. I, I think it has some good, but maybe not always great action sequences. I, I think actually it kind of forgets about the action at certain points and kind of fills it with other stuff, which is, which is quite irritating. There's, they kept up that thing in Spectre where they lose any sense of pace. They lose any sense of rhythm. It becomes way too slow, way too dull, particularly in the middle. And and I and I feel like they're forgetting about the action sequences, which is a shame because I think the opening one is pretty good. I think in uh, in Italy, isn't it? Yeah. That that uh, you've got a kind of a, a, like a, a fun like assassination attempt, and then a kind of car sequence, which is really cool. Um, it's uh, you know it's it's very big and very dramatic. Even though a couple of times I could tell that they'd superimposed Daniel Craig's face onto a stuntman's face with CGI magic. Uh, but uh, oh, I didn't notice that, but yeah, that's, well, that is kind of inevitable, I guess. Yeah, I suppose it is. He's uh, not Tom Cruise, is he? He's not Tom Cruise. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I just wanted to pick up on what you said, actually, about the action. It, it really does. Like, uh, uh, there was a, there's, it feels like you have to wait an eternity for another action scene. And I'm like, this is a James Bond film. Yeah. It should have, you know, consistent action. Your sort of conventional James Bond film has three huge set pieces. One at the beginning, one in the middle, and one at the end. And then there are sort of intermittent action throughout. With this, the middle part of the film, there's no action at all. It's just all dialogue. Yeah. It's just like, it's two two or three characters talking in this, in rooms over and over and over again. And they just have to do so much exposition that it's just absolutely bizarre. I, I just don't know what's happened to this script that it just kind of, yeah, as you say, it loses all sense of pace and, and all set um, and all sense of spectacle. It, it becomes this really overlong, really mopey film. It's like its attention is in all the wrong places. And that maybe is part of the, the, the negative side of Craig's run on this. The version of a spy that that Bond is is sort of half an investigator and half an assassin, and I and I understand that they do. He does need to like kind of often try and work out what the hell is going on, but it felt like they couldn't find an interesting way of doing that in No Time to Die, and that's really a shame because then they draw those bits out so long. Because at the same time they've got this they've got this idea that they really want to take Bond to places that he's never been before and kind of pick him apart and analyze him in the context of these places often being like what are your parental issues what happens if you if he wanted to be with someone forever or 
possibly think about the the future and the long term plans. And it's like, yeah, and that is consistent from Casino Royale. They've, yeah, that's what they've always done with Daniel Craig's Bond. They they've made it more personal. They made it more personal. Yeah, that's basically it. They they want to make it more personal, and I think that that's a mistake. When this podcast was originally a blog called uh, Cell, uh, we um, a friend of mine wrote something for the blog where he said he didn't really know where Bond was going to go in the future with the way that uh, Marvel was going and superhero films. Uh, Bond just doesn't fit into that normal uh, framework. And there's something that makes me feel that in, in some ways that they have tried to take Bond in a kind of a direction that they think audiences will respond to more, and that's by linking all the films together and having a progression and having some trying to put in some overarching story. This doesn't always work because there are just far too many creative teams and far too many different ideas over the, the, the 15 years that Craig has been Bond for this to ever really work. I mean, it's just ludicrous to suggest that all of everything was all leading up to this one point. It, it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't make sense in your head. And, and, I, and I think as well, I, I would even go as far to say is that the, the biggest problem with, with Craig's Bond is that in some ways I think they forget that what makes a Bond film a Bond film. Um, I think it's really good to develop and progress a character, but you've always got to remember what makes it good. And also, I think what makes it different from other things, I think particularly Spectre and this, you know, they forget that Bond as a character and the James Bond films aren't tied down by baggage, and that's a real strength. I think the films are rarely connected, and, and Bond kind of leaps from adventure to adventure. That's just the kind of life he lives. Like, it means that the stories can be nimble, you can keep the key components, but you can change it with the times, or just try and reflect on the world where the, the film is made. And the, the Bond films always do that. And Bond can develop in the films. He certainly can. But you can't really make him develop from film to film. No, I... I, I think it's just, I, that's I, really difficult to do. And that's what they've tried to do with the Craig franchise. And in the end, I think this is... You reap what you sow. And what you get is this complete mess in No Time to Die of just loads of different references and touches to these previous films that people have probably forgotten about or lost or these characters that kind of come back. And, and you think this is... You've basically sacrificed doing a interesting new film for the sake of trying to have to go back and, you know, finish all the sentences of previous films. Or create some kind of legacy or some kind of, like, turn this into a proper saga for Bond. And that's not what Bond is. The thing is, is that Bond is already interesting and he he has loads of interesting components to him and you can pick those apart my favorite bond film goldeneye huge chunks of it that the, the things that make it good is that it's a critique of bond and it and it throws a lot of challenges at who he is the, the thing is as well is some of this stuff would be okay if we was he was going places that other action heroes had never been before but all the stuff that happens to bond in no time to die and we we're, we're trying not to spoil too much of it but, but all the things that happen to him in No Time to Die, I've seen other action heroes go through this. I've seen this happen before. There's no twist. There's no development. There's, there's, there's very few lines or moments it, that they, when they try and make Bond more personal that I haven't seen every other action hero go through a dozen times before. And I never needed to see Bond do this. It doesn't really bring anything to Bond and doesn't really, for me, take him into an, in, in an interesting direction or a really satisfying one. So that's it for the 
the character development stuff. That that stuff just never really worked for me. I don't think it ever really landed. Yeah, I I'm surprised about how much dialogue they've put into the film and even maybe uh, a lot of characters. I mean, obviously there's been a lot made about Shana Lynch playing Nomi um, as the new 007 after Bomb retires. And and she's good. She yeah. she's she's fine it. And then as well you've kind of got like other characters that come in, like um Anna de Armas plays Paloma, who's a CIA operative in Cuba as well. So that's like though these these are sort of good characters, but they still probably just don't add enough to the film for me. Those type of I mean, you can't even really call them Bond girls, right? Because, you know, obviously when you say Bond girl it comes up with all these negative connotations. And these are actually sort of really good and exciting and fresh characters. Well, actually, I would say that actually Nomi and Paloma are two of the things that represent some of the strongest elements of Daniel Craig's run on it. Uh, Paloma uh, is a Bond girl, I'd, I'd say. She, she's played by Anna de Armas. She's, she's not in the film for very long, but w- when she is, she does actually have like a personality. She's a bit naive, maybe even like a little bit ditzy, but she's also a pro and a really good killer but she's still really sexy it's just like her and bond never really like consummate their kind of flirtation but that means that she doesn't fall into the pitfalls problematic elements of other bond girls have like just being completely disposable or just uh sexually objectified and that being their only thing about them she's not a perfect character study but i think she's a good example of keeping in the fire or taking away the smoke it really does feel like that's a good place to take a bond girl you know to, to keep all the elements about them that make them good you don't have to make people in the audience feel uncomfortable in today's day and age and i think that's what paloma does i think nobi was really good i think she is a bit of a direct challenge to the old school of bond and i like that i think they you know making her a, uh, making the new 007 black and female i think is a direct challenge to and saying like we 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 can do something like this but they find a good way of like matching her against bond they make them rivals and then allies and i think that worked really really well yeah well hopefully there's more um, more bond girls like that i guess we should talk a little bit about safin as well played by Rami malik who's the the arch villain in this um and yeah, a little bit like um, paloma he actually isn't in it very much. No, he And the he, fact that it's taken us this long to mention him is probably a testament to how forgettable he is. He's great, but he's Well, is he is he great? Yeah, I mean I thought he was great. I mean I think I really like Rami Malik. I think he was very really otherworldly, really theatrical. I think he I think he really took my attention when he was on screen. He's just not in the film enough. He he just seems so absent for most of it, and I kind of feel like, well, but why? And, and then I think, like, even worse ab- ab- about him is that his motives are completely forgotten by the film. Again, we're not going to give too much away, but he's the arch-villain of the plan. And first of all, his plan is kind of one thing. There's, like, like the setup of, this is kind of the thing that I want to get. And then he gets the thing, and then he's kind of like, okay, well, now I'm going to use this thing for a completely different purpose. And then it's like, why, though? What, 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 what are you trying to get rich is it world domination? Is this revenge? Is this some kind of 
new world order you're creating. And there's only like one line where he's like, I'd like, oh, I'm just trying to make the world more equal or something like that. And it's like that old line, uh, that old <laughs> line. It's just like, but but I'm just like that motive. But, why? Why? But why are you here? Why are you here? Like he achieves his he achieves his goals early on in the film, and then I have no idea what the the big the big finale really just doesn't make any sense because I never really know what he's after. I like the look of him. He's got this very sort of gothic and gaunt look. Yeah. So I think when... I remember when there were trailers coming out for this film. I thought he did look really interesting. But yeah, to me, there's not enough beneath the surface with him. And uh, he is he is fairly fairly forgettable and, and anodyne. And yeah, I just don't think he'll be a villain that many people will talk about, to be honest. Um, no, I don't think so. You know, Blofeld turns up in it again, and it's was re- it's really a shame. Blofeld- I didn't I didn't like that cameo. I, I, I didn't I, like I that didn't cameo. I thought it was pointless. I thought it was just the way that they had to address Spectre again, and I never really wanted, wanted them to see that. Cause no, I Spectre. mean my my big problem with Blo I mean Blofeld, and it, it was really weird because I was looking forward to seeing him on screen again because I love Christoph Waltz. I really didn't think that they made good use of him, and him and Daniel Craig didn't really have that much chemistry in this. I do have a big problem with Blofeld in this because in this they decided to make it that Blofeld and Bond were foster brothers once. And it's like, it's just weird. That That's a really good example of a, a big problem with the Craig films. You know, I don't think... That and that's you, from Spectre, so, by the way. And sorry. That's, that's, that's not... That's, yeah. that's already been established. That's, already been that's established not a new revelation. Like, from... I, I don't... Like, I don't think that we need to do a thing where Superman went to summer camp with Lex Luthor. I, I don't think you need to intertwine the hero and the villain from birth you know i don't think that's that's necessary just because they're arch nemeses you you don't need to have them somehow be like the, the this obsession this feeling that they were like we need to make it so blowfelt has been the architect of everything that's ever happened to bond while we've seen him it's like no why why can't you just think of a way to make him a compelling villain without just doing that thing of like we'll we'll, we'll make them foster brothers and therefore That'll that'll work, won't it? That that'll that that's a shortcut to to giving them some some tension and the reason why they're that they're always like trying to kill each other and it's like no, that's 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 not necessary. Like you didn't need to do that with the old films. You don't need to do that now. I think there's bits of it that worked and bit bits of it that didn't. I think on the one hand there are there is a lot of stuff to celebrate. Um, a lot of good things that arrived in Casino Royale still remain. I think there are some good action elements, even though there's not enough of it. I think that they wanted to develop the character, and I, and I think more actually with the, some of the supporting cast, they find better ways to develop Bond rather than actually developing Bond himself, which I think is more of a, a pitfall in the in the Craig films than anything else. But I think it's it's just his last two films are just unmistakably flabby. Unlike the man himself. Unlike the man himself, who is in much better condition than I've ever been. <laughs> I think it's overlong. I think it puts its attention in a, in all the wrong places, and I think that their ideas about how to keep Bond exciting and relevant, uh, sometimes they can pull it off, but most of the time it actually just ends up feeling like they're trying to take shortcuts, and they end up driving themselves right into a ditch. I could actually really use them getting rid of Madeline Swan as a character altogether, uh, she was never convincing, 
as Bond's great love, and I don't. And she wasn't fun to watch, and she was quite irritating. Um, <laughs> That's a bit. Hard. Yeah. I think they do her some more service in this. It's not that Lea Seydoux's a bad actress, no. Or that, but Inspector, she's such an underwritten and disrespected character, and they kind of give her a bit of backstory in this to 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 help her a bit. And I think she does get stronger, and there is kind of more of a dynamic to her. But yeah, oh. she's still irritating. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't care. I mean, like, yeah, like maybe she was given a bit of a better role in this, but I, I, I still really wish they'd just find, find a way to get rid of her. She really dragged the film down. I, I think the film overall is just a real mixed ending for Craig. It's got stuff that worked really well in the Craig Bond films and a bunch of other stuff that really made me wonder... I don't know why you're taking Bond in this direction, but you've lost a lot of the senses of what made Bond Bond, and I I think that's a real shame. And it was really quite boring in bits as well, and that's also a shame. But, you know, I mean, he went out with a bang. He's achieved a lot as Bond. No, he didn't. He literally just said he... <laughs> no, he, did, he didn't go out with a bang, did he? He went out with a whimper. You've, that's what your reviews just said. All right, well, yeah, but, I mean, like, he... he all right, yeah, no, he didn't go. I'm, I'm trying to give some credit where credit's due. <laughs> why? 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 I don't know. It's because it's it's you, like, right. you like Daniel Craig. I do like Daniel Craig. Look, da- because I like Daniel Craig, because um, I think Daniel Craig's done a lot of really good stuff for the Bond films. In fact, he's made some of my favourite Bond films. I think Casino Royale and Skyfall are wonderful. I think they're really, really brilliant. And yeah, all right, yeah, this, I, I, I didn't like this, okay? I feel like in those two films, Daniel Craig and the whole team made something really, really good and made wonderful Bond films that will really stand the test of time. And I guess I just feel a little bit guilty, you know, folding my arms at his curtain call. I feel a bit crappy doing that because I think he he was a really cool Bond. I think he was ruthless and cold-blooded, but also like really sexy and cool and hmm. he could deliver a good quip. Uh, not so much in, in No Time to Die, though. Some of the line delivery in the script were fucking terrible. But, you know, g- generally he's been a great Bond and I guess I didn't like this, but... I don't really want Daniel Craig's legacy to just be this negative review. Yeah, I'll I'll address the film itself. I mean, it's a real disappointment in terms of being an engaging Bond film. I think it had too much baggage left over from the previous films, which I've already said. It's not really exciting. I think it's one of the duller Bond films, to be honest. Um, Maybe you could say that there's a bit more character development, but not that much more, really. I mean, if you're going to do like a very serious Bond film, then I think you have to sort of create really good arcs, and they don't here particularly. There are certain action scenes which I did think work well. Like there's a there's a fight on a staircase kind of towards the end, which is done in in one shot for a long time, which looks really really good. And then yeah, there are a couple of other decent ones. Yeah, the one in Cuba was like perfectly entertaining. Yeah. But there's just not enough of that. There's not yeah. enough of that. And then there are sort of duds. There are sort of action scenes that once you've left the cinema that you've forgotten have happened. So it's a really dense film, um, and that's kind of a criticism really in that there's just too much dialogue there's there's not enough action you can't get carried away with this bond film and i just don't think you can really attach yourself to this james bond to be honest in no time to die but in terms of the legacy yeah of the craig films i guess it's just inconsistent for me as you said skyfall and casino royale two successes yeah. quantum solace spectre no time to die 
really poor Bond films, in in my opinion. Not really poor, I'd say poor to average, you know. They're not dying of a day, right? So <laughs> that's good. But on this podcast before, I've talked about action films and how I do want a sense of realism and seriousness and something that's tangible in these action films to, you know, what if you create good characters in an action film and you create good action then it's going to work really, really well. There is going to be this excitement and it is going to stand the test of time. Now, I'm not saying that because there isn't enough action in this, they should go back to the Roger Moore films where it's pretty much all just, you know, gadgets and... Campness. Campness, yeah. And, and, you know, scenes that are just really, really over the top in terms of style. But they do need to bring a sense of fun back to Bond. So to say what my theory is with with, with Daniel Craig's Bond, Daniel Craig is a serious actor. He's a serious actor. He's not going to be like a Brosnan or a Dalton that's going to go off into obscurity. Daniel Craig is going to go off and do serious films. He might even win an Oscar for something, right? And I just think, because he's had more of a creative input in these films, in these five films, than loads of other actors before him, he's wanted to make a more serious, a more personal Bond. So when he worked with Sam Mendes, what he wanted to do is he wanted to completely deconstruct the character, put in all these personal details about his life, bring in this identity about him. But when you do that, you create more and more problems with yourself because from from each film, you have to answer those questions that were asked in the previous film. And therefore, you end up with a film like No Time to Die, the final one in his series, which just has to address all these problems from the backlog of films before that. And that's why it's just become so boring. Yeah, I would have to agree with everything you just said. So you want to see Bond go to somewhere more fun next? I think so, yeah. I think it needs more levity. I think they need to take it back to... And have certain conventions. Hopefully it becomes more of a progressive franchise, right? That's what we all want to see. Mm. But, yeah, almost take it back to those, like, three big action scenes. Take it back to a sense of spectacle. I don't think we need to have another Bond film that feels more like theatre than it does cinema. I'd really like to see them consider making bond more fluid you, i think this idea that you need audiences where it will only give a shit if you link all the films together and create this overarching thing is just wrong because i think that the strongest films in the craig series are casino royale and skyfall and and neither of them are sequels to anything whereas the weaker ones quantum of solace trying to be a sequel to casino royale it, it was rubbish and Spectre and No Time to Die that try and link all of them together and try and make it all a big thing. It just doesn't work. So I'd like to see them try and concentrate on one film at a time and get some solo adventures. Think about the the frills and the spills and the, the spectacle of it, the thrill of it. I, I would like to see it reflect uh, Britain more. I think it's a, it's a big part of our British culture. And now we're accepting that Britain's more diverse than ever. I think the next Bond should be non-white because I think that's better representation of where our country's at. But if they could just take out the sluggishness of Daniel Craig's Bond, I think we'll be in a lot better place. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. Mine will survive long after I'm gone. History isn't kind to men who play God. So, if you liked this, we're going to talk about uh, loads and loads of more Bond films! (laughs) Yay! Uh, Now, we've actually, uh, on purpose... 
uh, I think, tried to pick non-Bond films for this. But I think if you like this, you should go and watch The Dark Knight Rises, uh, which is the final film in the Dark Knight trilogy directed by Christopher Nolan. It's a Batman film. Batman has retired, similar to Bond, and he is living a solitary life in Wayne Manor, but then out of the woodwork comes something from his past to disturb the otherwise peaceful Gotham City, forcing Batman out of retirement uh, into one final battle. I won't bury you. I've buried enough members of the Wayne family. You don't owe these people anymore. You've given them everything. Not everything. Not yet. The reason I'd recommend this is because I think if you enjoy No Time to Die, I think you want to see a modern film about the final chapter of a hero. You want to see a film that says goodbye to a character or a particular version of a character. Of course, in the form of an action blockbuster. And I think that's what these two films share. It's directed by Christopher Nolan, who's a self-confessed Bond fan. And I think a lot of his inspiration for making his big blockbusters, which is what he does uh, really well, comes from James Bond. Uh, And um, I don't think he treats Batman like James Bond, but I think they're on similar character paths. And I think if if you did enjoy this and and actually like the idea of creating a a series which has a a, a beginning, a middle, an end, and, and an arc going over it with one of the most famous characters in popular culture then, yeah, The Dark Knight Rises is a really good place to go. It's often uh, maligned and uh, criticised as, like, the, the the bad Batman film out of Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises forming the kind of Dark Knight trilogy, which I always think is really, really wrong, because I think it's, it's just as good as the uh, other two, although I would have to confess that probably, yes, The Dark Knight is probably the best one out of the lot i think that the action is the best in this because he he has to face off against bane who's a very physical villain i think that the scope of it is a lot grander which maybe means that you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit more for the scrapes that batman gets into and gets out of but i think that's all fine it does all the things that great christopher nolan films do i think it's thrilling and it's it's exciting and it understands a lot of the elements of what Batman is. And I think it's a really great end to three nearly perfect Batman films. Yeah, you're right. It is a bit maligned, isn't it? And uh, and I'm not sure why. I guess it's kind of always difficult to finish off a trilogy, right? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. and Fame, I, The difficult third album. That's what it is. That's absolutely, the yeah. And there are, there are flaws in the story. Definitely in The Dark Knight. You have to suspend your disbelief with the plot at times. So I, I think that kind of carries on into the into the Dark Knight Rises. But it's a superhero film. I think there's always going to be like some some gaps in the story that you you know you just have to fill with whatever explanation you want to tell yourself. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Christian Bale is great in it. Anne Hathaway's a really good Catwoman. You've got obviously got Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Tom Hardy playing more sort of supporting roles, but are just absolutely excellent actors. Yeah, so. They, they bring a real strength to the film. I think the ending is obviously very subjective. You can sort of like interpret what you want from or whether Batman has died or 
or or what have you. But um, I think Nolan leaves the trilogy in the best place he can. Yeah, I um, think he does. There could be, you know, obviously Joseph Gordon-Levitt could step up to be Robin. Oh, sorry, Joseph Gordon-Levitt could step up to yeah or no, it could be Robin. Yeah, show off your comic book knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> anyway, he well could, he could be Robin. He could be, be Nightwing. Bat- He's or he like could, in a grown-up. Or he could be Batman, right? Or he, or he could be Batman. Yeah, that's right. But if he, we could do a whole podcast on the legacy of the various Robins <laughs> and Batman, if that's something that you'd be interested in, no, please sure to write in. Definitely not. Yeah, I think the scope's like a really good word to use for it because it's like the Batman film about revolution with like Bane coming over and taking over the whole city. Yeah. I think that's like a really good dynamic to introduce to... To, to the world of, of Nolan's Batman. Yeah, so, it is really good. Yeah, and, and yeah, there are definite links. End of an era for, for those trilogy of films, end of an era for Daniel Craig and what he's given the Bond franchise here. So, yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of similarities. Okay, so if you didn't like this and you're looking for an action film with a bit more pizzazz, a bit more life to it, then I think you should watch uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, which was released in the summer of 2018. It was the most financially successful uh, Mission Impossible film to date. It stars Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt. Who else would you expect? But um, <laughs> The previous film from that was Rogue Nation. There was a evil terrorist organisation called The Syndicate, which um, Ethan Hunt is still after in Fallout. The Syndicate managed to steal some plutonium um, in Belfast. Oh, well, actually, it's no, the a new terrorist organisation called the Apostles, which are kind of the leftover parts of uh, the Syndicate. They, wow, they, there's a lot of yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of law with the Mission Impossible films. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, they're basically super evil terrorists. That's all, yeah. need, that's all you need to worry about. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, they take this plutonium, so yeah, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team have to go and chase them all over Europe and beyond um, to try and capture them. You had a terrible choice to make. One life over millions. And now the world is at risk. How many times has Hunt's government betrayed him, disavowed him, cast him aside? How long before a man like that has had enough? Ethan, that's not who we are. Maybe we need to reconsider that. There are a couple of really good action scenes in Paris where um, Ethan Hunt has to team up with a CIA operative by the name of August Walker, who's played by Henry Kevill, who um, yeah comes in and just produces like a really good and uh, muscular performance uh, next to Tom Cruise. I think at one point... Certainly muscular. Shoulders that could hold a... Oh, shit. <laughs> Are you trying to come up with a good no, mechanism? Something... It's better be good. No. no. Uh... Shoulders that could pry a bank vault open. No, no, that's not working. Moving on. God damn it. Henry, he's got great shoulders. He's got great shoulders. He's got great shoulders and a great moustache as well. That's what we're trying to say. But yeah, they call him, I think, um, if you can remember the right line, it's August Walker's like a hammer and Ethan Hunt is like a scalpel. Is that what they say? Yeah, I they do. Yeah, they like do. They say that. Yeah, which is just great symbolism for for the both of them. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they team up in Paris. They have to try and steal back the plutonium, but also at the same time, they have to uh, stop Solomon Lane, played by Sean Harris, um, escaping as well because he was the head of the syndicate, and uh, the apostles are now trying to capture him back. Um, we then move to London, where there's a bit of double crossing, um, and finally to the mountains of Kashmir, where we get a, a final big action sequence. And I think the reason why it differs from No Time to Die is that it's actually watchable. 
No, no, no. It, just in terms of that, it's there's so much good spectacle. I just don't think there's enough good spectacle in No Time to Die. There are a set of excellent action scenes, including a fight in a nightclub toilet in Paris, the heist and the motorcycle chase in Paris, the foot chase in London, which is really great, which is famously yeah. where Tom Cruise broke his ankle um, and they had to stop filming for about a month or two. Mm. And then finally, the helicopter action scene in the in the mountains of Kashmir. It looks absolutely amazing and beautiful. To be honest, I think that, that final fight in Fallout is stronger than any action scene in, in any Daniel Craig Bond film. Ooh, that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, I'd find that hard to argue with because I also love Mission Impossible Fallout. I think it's absolutely incredible. In some ways, I think Tom Cruise has always been a bit inspired by James Bond uh, and to an extent, maybe he sees his Mission Impossible films as a bit of a... Uh, his his own take on the Bond films. Yeah. Even Hunt um, is basically James Bond. He is, and it, that's definitely what he's become. I, I don't think all of the Mission Impossible films uh, have aged as well as, as as some of them have, but the, the later ones have been absolutely phenomenal. Fallout is incredible. I was in the cinema, and that final sequence with the helicopter, I could barely watch him nearly nearly gripping onto things and falling off uh and i was absolutely on the edge of my seat and then you realize like this just doesn't happen very often as an adult where you're where you are you 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 almost can't watch because the human eye can tell when tom cruise is doing a lot of this stuff for real and he is doing a lot of this stuff for real and it it, it has an incredible effect yeah the film is absolute adrenaline rush uh they keep finding interesting ways of pushing the envelope the more that series goes on and mission impossible fallout is absolutely incredible do you know what's interesting actually i think they they do have characters who appeared in rogue nation which was the film before fallout so you've got like solomon solomon lane and you've got uh rebecca ferguson as well um so well yeah i mean this is yeah but they they make these characters relevant they make them interesting I mean, Mission Impossible Fallout is is continuing a story of, of Ethan Hunt, and some of the strands are worth continuing, and some of them aren't. Like, the the wife that he got in the third Mission Impossible film, yeah. which they then get rid of in, in at the end of this, and it's just like, well, you know, no one no one liked that. No, no, no one liked that element of the films. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is about Mission Impossible that, that, that maybe... Perhaps I tolerate that a bit more, because... It's not the entire focus of the film. It's not dedicated to Ethan Hunt's personal life. It's very much in the background. Yes. What it wants to be a thriller with a, a with a lot of spectacle that um, thrills you and excites you and gives you a, a really like cinematic experience. Whereas the worst parts of Daniel Craig's run on Bond and what you see a lot in No Time to Die is that what they really wanted to do is. Put his personal life in the foreground. <laughs> Put his personal life in the foreground. And actually m- just go, oh, well, we'll make it a bit exciting, but it doesn't have to be exciting all the time, does it? Can't we give make people, like, emotional about Bond? I, I don't know how we really do this. Um, I don't know, maybe uh, give him something like this or give him something like that? I'm sure that'll be a shortcut. Everyone will get weepy. That'll be fine. I tell you what, if you're going to take Bond anywhere, I think actually looking at the Mission Impossible films really isn't a a bad shout. It's a modern blueprint. It's a those modern mission, blueprint. Those Mission Impossible films are a modern blueprint for Absolutely. the next Bond set of Bond films. Uh, more of that, I think. Uh, we get another one next year, I think. We uh, get another two. 
We get two. Yeah, they're filming them back to back. Back to back. Well, that's something to get excited about for 2022 anyway. So, definitely a no on the James Bond podcast. And definitely a no on the comic book, the the Batman podcast as well. It's a no time to die for me. Ah! Doesn't even make any sense. It really doesn't. Uh, I walked into that one though. Thank you so much for listening to Films Are Better Than People. Be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now so you never miss an episode. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts and SoundCloud. And don't forget to come follow us on Twitter at Films Are Better and like us on Facebook.com forward slash Films Are Better. Better.